Show me the crypto. <laughs> Show me the crypto. <laughs> Show me the crypto. In a world on the brink of disruption, two men will bring you clarity by interviewing some of the most intelligent and influential names in the blockchain world. Welcome to Show Me the Crypto with your hosts, Wade Patterson and Ulf Lonegren. Well, hi there, and welcome to Show Me the Crypto. My name is Wade Patterson. And I'm Ulf Lonegren. We're a couple of friends from Canada who love learning about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, and we're happy you're along for the ride. Whether you're a crypto virgin or you know your way around the block, we hope our interviews with some of the most intelligent and influential people in the blockchain space help deliver you with value. And on this episode, we're joined by keynote speaker and disruption strategist, Sean Canungo. While many keynote speakers either froze or delivered half-assed presentations from their living rooms in March 2020, Sean adapted. He took up residency at the empty Meyer Horowitz Theater in Edmonton, Alberta, where he and his production crew have been delivering top-notch virtual presentations to international audiences ever since. In fact, a Forbes article called Sean the best virtual speaker in the world. In recent months, Sean's passion for innovation has naturally shifted his focus to the blockchain space, and he now educates his audiences on this technology and its effect on the creator economy. Sean, welcome to Show Me the Crypto. Guys, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for that amazing intro. And um, I, I just want to give a shout out to what you guys are building here with uh, your show. It's it's unbelievable that you've been able to, in a very short period of time, get the the the, the quality of guests that you have, to build a following that you have, to to step up the audio and the video game, and you know having the lights in the background. Like I just love it, and that's why I'm on this podcast. Obviously, wait, you know, I the first time that I was on a pod with you uh, for another podcast, you know, I just loved. I you know I, I was praising you then. I'm I'm praising you now. So um, if you, by the way, if you've gotten this far. I just, you know, you're, you're, you're two minutes into this thing. Like the, the, the best thing that you can do for this pod is subscribe to this YouTube channel. Or if you're listening to this on Spotify, give it a follow. Like just send these guys some love, please. They need it. And let's get that thousand subs on YouTube right after this. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks so much, Sean, for those kind words. Really appreciate it. And usually this is the part of the conversation where I ask our guests about how they discovered crypto. And we'll get to that. But for our audience, I want to give them a little bit of background of how I met you, because I think it's an interesting story of how it happened. And in my my, J, my day job, my nine to five job, I work for Remax of Western Canada. And we had a conference and you were the keynote speaker for that conference. And what blew me away was that I saw you coming into the room. So I went over to introduce myself and right away, you're like, oh, you're Wade from the Remax Hustle podcast. And you pulled out your phone and I could see that you had genuinely listened to like every single episode on there. And I, I was just blown away by the amount of prep and research. And even prior to this interview, I saw you, you know, commenting on some of our TikTok videos and that kind of thing. And I guess the initial question is, where does that hard work come from? Is that something that's always been ingrained in you, the, the importance of doing your research, the importance of being prepared? Well, is it hard work or is it just being a big creep? Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I, you know, for me, it's I'm 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 fascinated by people. I'm fascinated by business. I'm every time I do uh, a keynote or I'm advising an organization, I want to dive deep. I want to know everything about them. I want to know um, who's in it, the conversations that are happening on the ground floor. Um, I just I, I like I Google everyone before I meet them. Um, to me, it's like this genuine curiosity. And you know, this is why I'm in the innovation space, which is really about unlocking value by looking at insights that no one has seen before. Um, that's why I'm in, I love disruption because it's about things coming out of nowhere that completely change the status quo. So it's, it's really in my DNA. And I, I, at the end of the day, but beyond that, I just, I just love people. I'm so fascinated with people. I'm the guy at the airport looking at everybody and being like, why is, who is this person? Why are they in uh, Atlanta right now getting on a flight to Switzerland? Like, why? Like, I, I want to know everything. So uh, it's just in my DNA. 
That's awesome. Sean, you worked at Deloitte for more than a decade. Can you tell us a bit about what that job entailed, you know, before we get into more of the conversation about crypto and what, what led the transition from entrepreneurship into keynote speaking? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I started actually at Deloitte within accounting uh, for my my first couple of years, and but you know I knew immediately that I wasn't built to be an accountant, but I was always interested in in consulting and management consulting. So I I, I got into management consulting quickly uh, after I finished my sort of C, CPA CA degree. Uh, spent the the, the the last 10 years in management consulting and strategy, innovation, digital, sort of at the, the tail end of it, I was leading a lot of our innovation initiatives across Canada and, and, and beyond. And uh, to me, it was just the fascination of, uh, again, getting back to uh, walking into companies, understanding what their problems were, uh, diving into strategy and helping them sort of grow. Um, that's what I was really, really passionate about. And I, I left the firm about three years ago uh, to go on on my own and uh, get into speaking, and then I want to invest in a number of organizations, um, and you know th that's something that I'm really passionate about as well. Just seeing something grow from from nothing, and um, actually, you know, a as a transition, when I was at Deloitte, we. The, the, the beauty about Deloitte is that they have been around for a very long time, and the reason why they've been around for a very long time is that they're very good at sensing trends before others. So when the blockchain space was really blowing up, uh, actually Deloitte was very quick in mobilizing uh, certain teams around blockchain. And I um, ha had a good opportunity to work sort of alongside them, not, not on the team, but you know, connect with folks in the team. Obviously I was in innovation, so you know, uh, we worked a lot with financial services. And at the time there were a lot of experiments happening in the, in the financial services space around blockchain. Like every single big bank was experimenting with blockchain. Uh, some folks, might, some of my mentees, uh, you know, they were really passionate about blockchain. So this was like 2016, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, uh, when we really sort of dug deep. And that's what, that was really my introduction to blockchain, which was uh, within, uh, within Deloitte and actually helping uh, with some uh, small experiments. And you said you were on sort of like the innovation team uh, within Deloitte. What, what does that mean? Like, what was the job? What was the day-to-day? -day? Well, you know, it's funny because uh, at first I wasn't part of an innovation team. I was just in strategy. That's That was my job. I would help organizations with, with strategy. And, um, you know, people started calling me the innovation guy because all the strategic work that I was doing had some sort of innovation angle. We'd incorporate new technologies, whether it was, whether it was automation or crowdsourcing or film or uh, whatever else, and people would call it innovation. So naturally, not through somebody, you know, call, you, you, you know, joining an innovation team or 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 uh, us carving out a space. Like people started to call me the innovation guy, and then naturally, as Deloitte was getting building their own innovation cap capabilities. Um, I, I sort of rolled into that. I was working with organizations on their innovation strategy, setting up innovation teams, um, um, leading sort of futurist conversations like what what is the future of public sector going to look like? What is the future of our organization going to look like in five years? Um, and so, you know, my role sort of shifted to more around innovation and the future as sort of the conversation around innovation became, a, I, I guess, more mature at Deloitte and, and, and clients want to pay for that. Um, it, it became more in vogue to talk about disruption and innovation. And on the side, you know, I think my friends and I, we were building mobile apps. Uh, that's how I got first into digital. So I, 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 my friends and I, we had a mobile app firm. We created a whole bunch of apps. We also had a creative film group. And so to me, the, the whole digital space uh, really sort of collided with what we were doing in the enterprise side. And because we were, you know, creating apps and learning about product and user experience on my own, like that was my MBA, like f getting punched in the face and failing um, in that space, um, it really helped me um, within my enterprise job. So yeah, that's, that's really the background. Getting into speaking, you know, you just mentioned uh, when you were with Deloitte, you kind of became that innovation guy and yeah. had to uh, presumably make lots of 
pitches and talk about this stuff. Is that what kind of ignited your passion for speaking and ha- gave you the idea to then, you know, maybe this is something I could do more professionally? You know, that, that, that also happened organically as well. Like I was doing the work in the digital transformation and innovation space. So uh, naturally, clients want to hear about the work that we were doing, which was novel and new. And, and uh, you know, we, you know, people started, you know, I started to speak at clients and the, that were I was working at. And they were like, ah, we have a conference here. And then I'm like, okay, I'll come to this conference and come to that conference. And, you know, more and more people just like it was just a, mo- a groundswell. More and more people want to hear about the work and uh, see the work in action. And actually my first like set of keynotes, like what I would do is I... I would I, I was like early to talk about the no code revolution the idea that listen like you 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 don't need any code anymore you can actually you know there's websites out there where and talent out there that you can leverage and, and build stuff on the fly so I had like two people behind me at every keynote that I would do and they would they would be kind of like DJs they would like build like websites and apps like right on stage in like 45 minutes and it would just like wow the crowd so that was kind of my claim to fame on the on on the stage and then I just thought, saw the uh, the statistics. Every time we do these, like I would always like rank like the highest, uh, you know, amongst everybody, and, and these are some of the most brilliant people. And so I just started naturally just uh, putting out like doing keynotes, and then all the, uh, the the gateway drug was really video, and uh, putting out video of my talks, putting that on the internet, and um, you know, seeing it go, and and more and more people seeing it, and and I just believe that content, you know, creates luck, and you just you, more and more people around the world started to see the videos, and 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 that's why I got really passionate about the creator economy, um, and I've been speaking about the creator economy. I mean, I wasn't what called the creator economy, but I was just speaking about this idea of the individual and the power going to individuals, and now we're seeing this uh, shift between institutions to individuals. Um, that's what the creator economy is all about. And I'm actually a product of that. I work for a firm that is a global firm that has deep uh, roots and tradition and brand. And yet I saw clients gravitate to me and wanting to work with me. And, 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 and I saw, you know, even leaving Deloitte, I was able to work with better clients and better executives and, 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 and just build my career because I was a creator in a sense, right? And I just saw that shift to, to, to individuals. And I still see it today. Like I, I, I get great opportunities coming at me, but I, I, I just know that betting on myself, investing in myself as a creator, as a brand, is the most powerful thing that you can do. And th- th- guess what? This is, the why, this is why I'm so passionate about the blockchain NFT space. It's because it's about um, finally um, an individual owning their own career. Uh, it's 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 an individual owning their own path and being able to monetize their sort of fandom. Um, and so, yeah, that that that's really why I sort of got into it. And so you had mentioned at Deloitte, you were kind of introduced. That was probably the first introduction you had to blockchain technology. What was your initial thoughts when you first kind of started hearing about this, when you first started hearing about cryptocurrencies and was what was the aha moment when you all of a sudden became a believer was that nft specifically no no i you know i was i was a big believer for a very long time uh, you know i think it's because it's in my dna with any sort of disruptive technology or anything new anything that really looks like a toy anything that uh the nerds or the the people in the basement when they're cracking on something and they're forgotten and ignored and laughed at and mocked uh i always gravitate to them like I, I always, I, I'm always curious and it goes back to the first thing I said. I'm just curious. Why? Why are people tinkering with this? Um, to me, I got it right away because, um, you know, I, I don't know. A lot of people reference Satoshi's uh, white paper, but not many people read it, right? And I think um, if you read it, you will have a, and you, it's like the, reading the Bible, right? You will have a, you will have an unlock. It, 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 it is a, you you start to see what the potential looks like. And to me, I always saw the potential of blockchain. I knew the use cases. Okay, real estate, land, uh, uh, anything to do with on title, uh, insurance, automating everything. Um, um, uh, you know, I, was, I, I spent my t- entire career at the beginning in accounting. Like this would be a boom for auditing. Like you, 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 it, it already sort of self-audits. 
Like I saw everything, you know, very early on. The problem with blockchain until this year, until this year, the problem with blockchain, it's, it never had a hit. It never had a blockbuster movie until this year. You could say Bitcoin was a blockbuster movie, but it was, it was still an underground hit. It was still for nerds. The, the breakout hit was NBA Top Shot. That is what um, catapulted blockchain into the hype cycle it, it has right now. Of course, Bitcoin has had the hypes over, over the time. But, and we all knew the power of the blockchain. This is not a secret to anybody. But the breakout hit was NBA Top Shot. And the reason why, it has nothing to do with the technology because NFTs have been out since 2017. The reason why it, 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 it popped is because the NBA is culture. It is, it, it, it's sports. It gravitates to our, it, it, it's, it's part of our soul. And this is the reason why now this is the breakout hit. It's because everybody... Um, and their 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 neighbor's cousin is talking about this. To me, at that point, it's 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 gone it's gone consumer, right? We're, it's on the New York Times. Like, you know, my mom is talking about it. Like, it's it's over, right? The 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 block the, the blockbuster hit is here. Like, do you agree? Because you guys are deep into the space too. Tell me that the the NBA Top Shot is not the first blockbuster hit. Okay, I'm going to jump in here first, and then I'll, I'll let you. <laughs> uh, no, it's funny for me. It depends what you want to define as a hit, because we could just call NFTs as a whole the hit. And they didn't hit right away. As you mentioned, they came out in 2017. They weren't really popping off till this year. But NFTs as a whole, because of what you said about the NBA, about NBA Top Shot, the culture the the empowerment that nfts give all artists of any kind is incredible and it's pushed blockchain technology for that specific reason for and the uh, as nfts in particular it's brought them to the mainstream i have a friend who's in a band um they're they're out of vancouver imur check them out and uh and I'm on their Instagram and just last week, you know, they're sharing their first, uh, selling their first NFT. And like my friend, Jenny, I would have never thought to, you know, talk to her about blockchain because she's not a technologist or something like that, but because she's an artist, she's promoting NFTs and everybody appreciates music. Everybody appreciates art everybody appreciates sports and these are all things that nfts can facilitate and beyond that to go to nba top shot now specifically um so my girlfriend's dad he is the kind of guy who he he follows tech somewhat like uh he pays attention to tech in the news let's say but you know, not too far beyond that, maybe. And when he was visiting um, not too long ago, he brought up NBA Top Shot, you know, <laughs> and he'd heard about it and was talking about this NBA crypto thing. And sure, he didn't know much about it, but even that is like, you know, I just never would have expected him to bring up NBA Top Shot to me. So. Yeah, there's there's that for you. Yeah, so Wade, what do you think? You know, is this a is was the NBA Top Shot the first hit for blockchain? The first hit, yes, but I tend to agree. See, the interesting thing here is that I agree on the sense of of all of these NFTs and and culture in general and and what you connect with. So, for example, I'm a huge sports fan. NBA on my list of sports it's probably like number five. I'm still, I love it. Like it's awesome. But if NHL had come out with that thing, or I, I see what Chili's is doing in Europe with, with premier league football and different, different uh, football teams and that kind of thing. And to me, that's, it's a culmination of all of these things happening and, and the nifty gateway and, and credit to the platforms as well, because Top Shot is an experience. I stood in line for the Cool Cats pack today and I yeah, was able so to get I, one. Yeah. 
was like 86,000 or something like that. I was able to get one. And I know that when I go to open that pack, there's a little excitement, right? Like the pack's going to rumble a bit. You see what the moments are. There's, there's that whole experience similar with nifty gateway. I mean, you go there and it's almost like a coming soon. What's what's on tap for the week. Paris Hilton's dropping one on Saturday from the recording date that we're doing this. Right. And so I think all of these things happening at once meshed with the fact that you have the people talking about it, who are talking about it, the Gary Vaynerchuk's and these types of people who are influential, so influential in the marketing space. And a lot of people, I think, take their, not their policy, but their strategy from someone like Gary V. And Gary V, I would say 40% of his tweets, and that's not an overstatement, have been about NFTs over the past two months. Yeah. And so all of this is happening, but... Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... I guess that's the question for you is because I was trying to go find out through the Twitter conversation there, how exactly it happened. But my understanding was you had a friend who told you about top shot and you were maybe a little hesitant at first. How did that all pan out? Yeah. So my friend in December, uh, his name is Ahmed Gahari. Um, he, we're both, we're all NBA fans. And in December he was telling me about NBA top shot and I'd heard about it. I, I, cause I, I, you know, be NBA blockchain. I, I, I didn't, I, I thought it was in beta. Like I didn't, I didn't think that I could actually access it. And then uh, he was telling me that you could access it. You could actually get packs. Like you could just get as many packs as you wanted. It was like, there was no drop. There was nothing. There was just like packs available. Just get by as many. So, you know, at the end of, in December, you know, I was kind of busy. We had family over and like, it was just like a crazy time. And then finally it was, December 31st or it was January 1st, I, I started to buy a bunch of packs. And to me, you know, like the first time that you get in an Uber and then you get out and you don't have to pay the driver. Like I had a moment when I, when that happened, the first time I used Uber, I don't even know what year it was, but it was a magical moment. There was like, you saw it. You're like, this is the future. The same thing happened with NBA Top Shot. I I got my first pack, you know, they had the reveal and all that. I had this and I I'm like, "Wait a minute, I own this." And by the way, it's like some of the people that I love and I own this card. And by the way, I have an amazing serial number. And immediately I saw the value. So, over January, like I got lucky that I started getting packs, I started buying things on the marketplace, like right before it sort of went ballistic. And um, it was, and I started talking about it, right? I even put my Luka Doncic, and I think this is what got all my friends uh, in on it. I put my Luka Doncic, like game six, Clippers, three-pointer, like probably what I think is the most iconic shot on Top Shot today to this day. I put it up for $250,000, which is like the max amount that you can sell it for. And I just put it up as a moment to say, guys, this is, I believe so much in this. I put it at this price. And I think, it, you know, it's a bit of, it was a bit of a joke, right? But after that, it was like floodgates, right? Everything, you know, I just felt in my sort of circle, everyone started start, started rush, rushing to NBA Top Shot. Because when you, when you put a price up there and saying, I'm selling this for this much, you know, people are like, okay, what is this thing? And then I started p- to pump out content around NFTs, uh, and, uh, you know, LinkedIn and other places. And, and yeah, so I just started the conversation around it. And the reason why I was doing it was because I was literally so, uh, and I am so passionate about it. I see it. Like, I, 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 I'm, I, we're in a hype cycle, by the way. We are totally in a hype cycle. Don't get it twisted. We are in a hype cycle. But when the dust is cleared, the, everyone will see the potential of the technology. Like everyone will see it. It's like everyone's going, it's like at a big party, right? Like everyone, the, the bottles are over here. You know, people are dancing over here. The DJ's up here. It's crazy. Everyone's having a great time. You know, some most people are going to lose their shirt. Most people are going to get drunk. They're going to pass out and they're going to wake up in the morning and be like, ah, what happened? But you know what's going to happen? Everyone is going to remember the night. And they're going to remember how amazing it is. And that's really the technology. And so this is going to apply not only to art and collectibles and fun things that we can trade. Um, this is going to move 
to vaccinations, to uh, health, to real estate, to um, events and, and beyond. Th this is what we're talking about. This is why I'm so passionate about it. And also because of the creator economy and its, and its deep link there, which I've been talking about for years. And finally, I see it. Like I've all, I'm, I'm going on a tangent and I'll stop. But I, I've, been going, I, I've been obsessed with this idea for years of how do you invest in a person like I want to invest in you guys, and I know I know now I can do it because you guys have an NFT on, uh, you know, OpenSea, and I can do it. I, I can do it now. But uh, finally, we can do it through NFTs, through social tokens. It's here, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. Alf, do you realize that our audience has either been watching or listening to this episode for 20 minutes? 20 minutes? They should probably subscribe. Yeah, they should subscribe, and they should like and comment and hit that notifications bell. Oh, and did you tell them about the NFTs? That's right. We have our own NFT for our OG supporters. This is a way you can support our show, help us bring you continual great content. Information on that is below. I love the examples that you're using. They're just like the party example. That's per like some of these I'm going to steal for my real life conversations with, uh, with people who ask about it. But you touched on something there. You talked about the fact that you are explaining nfts to audiences that probably haven't heard of them or they have but they don't know what it is it's this reoccurring thing that they're seeing the odd headline about but they don't really understand what a non-fungible token is so two-part question first off how are you going about explaining that and then the second what is the reaction of people like like are they getting it as well after one of your keynote presentations or are people still a little bit like that was great but i still don't really get it yeah, and, 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 and I know you guys have explained NFTs throughout your podcast, you know, many, many, many times already. So, uh, you know, for everybody who's, who's up, caught up to this episode, you, you know what an NFT is. Um, it, 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 to be honest with you, it's still a mind bender, right? It's still, it's still, uh, it still doesn't make sense to most people, right? Because, and, and I know you were talking about this with another guest where, you know, everybody's like, ah, I can, you can screenshot it, right? Like that, everyone still has that explanation or... Uh, around um, the screenshotting, but as as the months, as the weeks, as the days roll by, and as the the you know the the Gary V's, the New York Times, the 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 you know the reputable sites are talking about this, are explaining it. I don't need to explain what NFTs are, and uh, people will just get it, and they will see the the potential in it. At the beginning, to be honest with you. Like most of my keynotes don't actually have NFTs in it. Like it's not like it, 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 it's a portion of it because I want to explain to people why this is disruptive for their particular business because it's new and it's emerging and I believe in it. Um, so at the beginning, I was really soft, right? I was explaining NFTs, NBA Top Shot, and that's probably the easiest way of of talking about it because it was culturally relevant at the time. And then when Beeple sold his $69 million, you know, it's 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 getting a, a little bit more relevant. It still eludes most people, which is fine. I mean, it's it's a new thing, right? It's a toy. People most most people think that it doesn't make sense. Listen, when 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 I uh you know when we uh, I'm sure this has happened when the internet you know, came out, people explain the internet, I'm like, ah, whatever, right? Everything looks like a toy until it actually becomes your boss. Um, and to me, it's, uh, you know, I think this can be a very slow transition. If you, if you think about most like incumbents, most established organizations, I'm not talking about like the fan companies, I'm talking about like most companies, like they're not even like, they, they've just figured out Zoom. Like, and we're talking about NFTs. I mean, like, like they're not even there yet. But I think that the the the, the, the like, you know, I was I was talking to some uh, practitioners in the event space, and I'm so passionate about NFTs in events. I think it's gonna be that's gonna be a huge thing. And so I'm like, I'm just telling them that it's gonna be a big thing. I, I was talking to somebody today. He's actually starting an NFT events company, and like, I I'm just yeah. So so some people get it, and those are the disruptors. Those are the people that are going to. Uh, uh, change the world, but I, I I'm curious for uh, for you guys, you know, in your own lives, explaining NFTs to like the people around you. Are are are, are they getting it? I had this experience actually where just even blockchain in general, somebody asked me about it and I really struggled, which is crazy. Like we've talked to so many people about different things, but I think for the NFT, the big thing at the beginning was 
people thinking, yeah, oh, you can just screenshot it. This is just, you know, look, I have the exact same thing. And I felt like the Mona Lisa example was just so overused. Like I just always hear everyone use the Mona Lisa example. But then when you start to think a little deeper of like, okay, let's take sports and let's take the difference between having a sports card that's genuinely been autographed and has maybe a little ink smudge versus something that's clearly been stamped and is just I mean, we would all genuinely agree that there's a difference. There's more value to the one that was signed by pen. And when people start to understand that, I think then they can make the next steps to the next things. But I agree with you as well that I think that we definitely are in a bit of overhype. It seems like a bubble of sorts in the sense of everything like, man, credit to the Winklevoss twins for getting in on Nifty Gateway because the amount of money that's flowing through there every single day, these drops are minting hundreds that are sometimes worth several thousand dollars each. And I can't help but think that not all of those are going to retain that value. And even a few days down the road, a lot of these are selling for 75%, 70% of what they were previously worth. And so it's interesting because it's like, what is you know, what is your reason for getting into it and that type of thing? And I'll be honest with NBA Top Shot, I love the NBA, but I also am doing it because I love crypto and be from somewhat of a speculative point of view. And I might be the problem with, you know, because yeah. for the genuine well, fans. Well, you know, it's, um, can I just challenge you for a second? Because the Mona Lisa argument, uh, Listen, everyone's mad about everyone's using the Mona Lisa argument. I think it's a perfectly rational argument to make because it is the it is probably by far the most uh uh you know known painting in the world. So to 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 use it, I I'm, it's fine. It's funny because like the uh, the NFT Instagram account they reposted one of my uh, videos, one of my TikToks on their account, and I used the Mona Lisa example to explain uh, non fungible tokens, and you should see the comments. It's literally like. It's just people are like this guy's an idiot, blah blah blah. Mona Lisa argument again, but uh, the, you know the reality is is that, anyways, not not to go on tangent with the Mona Lisa. I think it's a good example. It's saying, listen, you don't own the Mona Lisa. Like finally, uh, what the blockchain has done it is you know it's it's actually authenticated. It's it's showcasing that you own something, um, and that's verifiable. And so I think. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's great. But you're absolutely right. Like we we're in a bubble right now, and uh, I mean I think it's exciting. I think it's exciting. We needed a bubble. Blockchain needed a bubble. To be honest with you, it was like a joke for many many years because it didn't have a hit, and I and now it has a hit. So let's let let the dust settle. Let the party end. Let the hangover start, and let's start start remembering what the technology was all about. That's what I would say. I think it's uh, I think it's interesting that when we talk about NFTs in general, at, at least I think the most common case and most people would e explain is artwork, usually to begin with, or collectibles. But there's so many other use cases for NFTs, a lot that aren't popular or aren't really being implemented today, but like contracts in the future of any kind could be a deed to a home potentially in the future or a contract between businesses. Um, but I run a business and when I think of NFTs, so I'm, I'm going to point out one thing, but before I do, there's so many things with NFTs where uh, like Wade and I have experienced in some of our interviews where somebody mentions a use case for an NFT and not every use case clicks with me. Like, I'll be honest. Sometimes I'm just like that person who just learned about it. Who's like, eh, okay. I mean, like, I don't, uh, okay. But then, you know, but then the, the, the odd other use case is like, holy crap. Like I've never even thought about that before. And so one of these just happened recently. And that's what I wanted to bring up. Yeah. We were just on the golf course with some friends yesterday and, uh, a buddy of ours was mentioning NFTs and I can't remember exactly how it got brought up, but it was the point about how you can implement royalties. And so from a, from a entrepreneurial point of view, if you can create an NFT that's worth some value and you sell it, this is something so novel that 
with everything else that exists today, let's use the Mona Lisa as an example. If the Mona Lisa ever gets sold and someone then inherits it, they the person who made money selling it was the one who owned it. Not, not the artist who created it, but with baked in royalties that can never be edited, the original creator can make uh, income on that every time it gets sold on the aftermarket anywhere. And that to me is just like mind boggling. Like that's such a crazy use case right there. Yeah. And I think that's the most exciting thing for, uh, for artists is that, um, or for anybody is that, yeah, you can now get a perpetual sort of royalty uh, and it's baked into the smart contract. And even when you're dead, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming your, your, your estate will get a, a portion of the, of, uh, you know, whatever you have. So I think th that's a beautiful thing. And, and I think we haven't, we haven't even scratched the surface of, of some of the use cases. Let me give you some use cases and you're not going to, because you're like, I hear some of the use cases. I don't like it. You know, I, I, I haven't, uh, you know, I, I don't see it or, you know, let me give you some use cases. I'm just going to, I'm going to pitch them at you. Okay. I'm going to pitch you some NFT use cases right here. Okay. All right. Um, we're, we're all talking about sort of static NFTs, right? A static NFT is I get a piece of art, it's minted, I own it, uh, maybe it's on chain, and uh, you know I maybe I can sell it later, and, and, and somebody will the artist will get twenty percent. That to me is a static NFT. A dynamic NFT is when, uh, based on the data or something that happens, like let's say uh, you're into football and you have. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he gets three touchdowns, and we know that when he gets three touchdowns, it unlocks and mints a number of moments that people can now, um, you know, a limited edition of moments now that people can sort of trade and, and buy, right? It's it's a dynamic NFT because it's, it's uh, initiated by something happening that you know or you don't know. Like, let's say, you know, the ball... Hits the light. Okay, well, anytime a ball hits the light, it, 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 you know, it creates an NFT. It's a dynamic NFT, meaning it's, it's based on some of the data or um, you know, something that happens in the event. I think that's really great. I think the idea of, for example, in ticketing, right? NFT for, uh, as a ticket. Um, you know, the, 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 there's so many, uh, there's so much scalping happening around tickets and now, uh, with the ticket, you you know who owns it, you know where it's going, um, uh, you can verify it, and you can you can reduce scalping. Um, you know, even in events, uh, this is why I'm so passionate about NFT in events because events are all about community. It's all about fandom, and um, there are certain things that happen in an event that you know you only uh, if you're part of that event, you can have access to to that particular NFT. And so this drives more community. It drives actual attendance to events because because the attendees know I'm not going to be able to get an NFT if I'm not here at the event. Um, and so it drives attendance. Um, you could also, you know, uh, again, like so many people go to an event and you know they they hear a speaker or they like meet people and they get like a they get like a loot bag and they're off. They don't remember anything. Maybe they got maybe they got drunk and that's the only thing they remember. Uh, imagine you go to a Remax conference and they actually have a new product and they say to the entire group, by the way, everybody in this, this, in this event right now, we are splitting an NFT. You guys are all contributors of this NFT. And when we sell this, you will all get a piece because, the, you know, with the beauty of NFTs, you can split the contributions uh, uh, to, to multiple parties. You know, I'm going to be putting out an NFT later. It's going to be a presentation. Um, it's going to be in part partnership with Imagine Van Gogh, the curators of Imagine Van Gogh and Explore Edmonton and my filmmakers. And everyone's going to get a piece of it. Uh, when it, when it's sold, and and to me, it's a it's a a more democratized way of of putting out work. Now, all the contributors actually get a piece of it. Um, what else should I? I mean, I can go all day. Anything anything unlocked in your mind? Anything that was like, oh yeah, that 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 was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent of them. <laughs> <laughs> they all popped. You you had those ones lined up good. I was actually going to ask you, Sean, because I was watching an episode of In the Lab, and you were talking about that you had something cooking up. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that from an NFT perspective. And another thing I'm curious about is 
do you own? So you've talked a lot about Top Shot and that you kind of got in when packs were available, which is just this mind boggling concept today, because, you know, as I mentioned for the NFT or sorry, for the, the Top Shot pack today, there was something like 300,000 people in line, 90,000 packs yeah. total. Um, what about other NFTs? Do you own any sort of others at this point? Yeah. So I, what I've been doing, which is really kind of sneaky is, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to give it away because uh, this is like a, a marketing hack. But um, there's a lot of amazing crypto artists that are wanting to mint their NFTs, and no one knows about them. But they create amazing work. So buying some of their NFTs to be like, hey, like I'd love to work with you. And it, and and for me, it's like showcasing like that, that. That this is what I love about NFTs. It's not like a like or a comment. It's saying I love your work. And now you can actually, now I've bridged a relationship with them and now I can work with them on stuff for the businesses that I'm working with and we can create some amazing art. Um, and so I think that's been a cool hack. People that nobody has ever heard of, uh, they're, they're, they're going on Rarible, they're going on like uh, OpenSea and they're just putting stuff out, right? Just hoping and praying that somebody sees it. And that's the problem with, uh, with NFTs now is that it, it's flooded, right? There's just so much stuff out there. But um, there are some amazing artists out there and it's amazing a talent. And instead of liking something on Instagram, now you can go and say, hey, I bought this NFT. And now you have a direct relationship because you own a piece of their work. So um, yeah, that's what low-key that I've been doing. Not getting like a Steve Aoki, like Aoki, uh, you know, uh, NFT or like a Banksy or a Beeple. I'm, I'm getting like people that probably are minting things that they're just doing it just for, you know, they, they never thought that they could make something out of it. Do you think NFTs in a sense for, for artists or creators in general, help the rich get richer and the little guys, you know, it gives them another opportunity for sure. But what are the chances they're going to be able to explode when the big name artists are on the scene they're already killing it all they gotta do doesn't even matter what they put together it can look like crap it can sound like crap it can be crap but if their name's on it they can put it out there and it's gonna sell for crazy amounts because they're popular so absolutely that the rich will get richer um in in, in some respect but um in, in the party phase the rich will get richer uh, and we're still in the party phase. But when the when the party is over, the people with true uh, fan engagement, people that have true affinity, uh, people that um, uh, believe, you know, have a true community, those people will get rich. Because here's the whole thing around the creator economy, is that the creator economy is not necessarily about you having millions of followers uh, that follow you and love you. No, it, it could be about you having a thousand fans or a hundred fans or less that really love your craft, that really love what you do. And so even with a very small audience, they could own a, you know, pieces of whatever you're selling in terms of NFT. It could be a pictures or presentations or whatever it might be. Uh, so to me, the exciting part of NFTs is that it is finally allowing the creator economy to monetize their craft. That the creators that are not, you know, the Tom Brady's of the world, the Snoop Dogs that are minting their NFTs, but you know, the the, the people that are just building small communities around, uh, like pizza or 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 small communities around. Um, you know, uh, gardening, like th th that is what I'm like really interested in because the, the, the world has just fragmented guys. Like the internet has democratized media. And the reason why it's beautiful is that go to a subreddit. There's an entire community like dedicated to that particular subreddit. They're on that every single day. And I can trust you that every single subreddit um, has a very rich community where um, if there is an NFT minted, they will buy it because they're on it every single uh, day. And this is the NFT is the gateway drug to monetizing community. And um, and uh, I think it's going to be great. You don't have to be Tom Brady. For those new creators who maybe don't have a huge following 
who maybe are working on growing their show. Do you have any recommendations? Like what kind of, where do you, where should we get started um, in the world of NFTs beyond say, just creating a, a, you know, a piece of artwork? Is there, are there other more innovative, cool ideas that um, would allow creators to monetize their work that goes beyond just a JPEG? Yeah. So I think, by the way, if you've gotten this far on this podcast and we're talking about this particular subject, at least what you can do is subscribe. Come on, put, hit the subscribe button right now. Uh, that would really help these guys. Um, absolutely. I think, um, I, I think what you guys are doing, again, I'm going to come back to it. Like The reason why I'm so excited about what you guys are doing is that you guys are authentic, you're genuine, you're having these guests, you're not pushing anything. You're learning, you're asking brilliant questions and you're learning, you're literally absorbing. And at the same time, you're getting um, your community to learn more about blockchain and crypto. And I think as you build your audience, what you're gonna find is that there are gonna be people that love you guys, right? And that wanna support you guys. And so um, at some point, I think being able to identify who those folks are. And I know you guys have minted an NFT. I, I, I think even because you're in this entire space, like I love that you experimented putting out an NFT. Um, I think the next natural thing is figuring out, experimenting with something like social tokens, right? Um, because I think everyone's talking about NFTs now, but social tokens is gonna be like late 2021. That's what people are gonna be talking about. Um, and, you know, you know, Rally and Roll, there's, there's lots of sites that um, are enabling people to do this. But I, th I think the interesting thing about social tokens is that it, um, you, can, you can build fandom, but in tiers. So let's say, like, you have 200 tokens of uh, Show Me the Crypto. And with 200 tokens, maybe you have access to, like, a longer episode with a guest. Or you can have a you know one on one with you know uh, you know you guys, uh, but maybe at the five hundred level now they are actually five hundred token level. They're saying, well, we want to dictate who the next guest is going to be, or who are you going to pitch to? Oh, we want to know what questions that you, we we want to say. Oh, we got a question from Jeff. We want to be able to actually ask the questions, or we want to be able to come on to the pod. Um, and at a thousand uh, token, I don't even know what that is. It's like an in person, you know, um, you know dinner or or you know you, you it's like a it's part of that trip that you guys do so the the, the social tokens is an interesting way of uh, uh of combining community with crypto and you're starting to see it i mean there's been some like some uh flops um and you're starting to see it the comp you know rally for example they have the thing called creator coin which i Rally is another thing where I, I heard it, I saw it, and I just got up, up completely obsessed with it. Um, if you don't know what rally.io is, it's, it's, it's allowing people to have their own coins. And one of the most interesting part of it is Rally is a network where they are essentially allowing their community, like you can buy the Rally network, but the organization is like completely autonomous in the sense that at some point, the company, the rally will just disintegrate and it will just be the, sort of the community um, building this thing up, which I think is like crazy because for most organizations, they're building organizations to last. Like that's the fucking point of a, a organization. A built to last, there's a book on it. And rally is saying, um, we want to build to die. To let the to let the community rise up, like this is this is like the 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 the, the, the this is the uh, the golden child of what blockchain is all about. It's about the community. It's about open source. It's about the people, um, and um, I think it's brilliant. Have you heard much about? Because I I've only seen this in in tweets and that kind of thing. But Bitclout, yeah. <laughs> Like what, what's the deal? Yeah, no, BitClout. Um, so the only BitClout uh, transaction that I made in my life so far is Chamath coin. I bought a Chamath coin. Um, BitClout is also interesting because 
it is allowing you to um, have a piece of a creator, just like a stock. Uh, I can get a piece of Elon or Mr. Beast or Chamath. And I think it's an interesting concept. Uh, they had a really interesting growth hack as well. They basically, what they did was they like took like the 150 most popular people and they, they said, we have your coin. People are trading it and, uh, you know, claim it. And of course, if you claim it, then, you know, th there's a little bit more authority there. Um, I think it's interesting. And I, I am on the fence on it so far because I think because they sort of started in a kind of like a really sort of like, you remember when like LinkedIn started and they just like hacked your entire like contacts and like now you're like sending emails. They kind of did it in that kind of way. There's something kind of spammy uh, or, or, or unsafe. You know, you can see it through the UI and the UX and how it's, how it's sort of laid out. Uh, the, so I'm, I'm a bit cautious and like with many things in crypto, like you should be cautious. Um, you know, this is why I like what, um, NBA top shot has done because it blends what web three and web two so well, right? It has the best elements of web two, like really great user experience and, and UI and like authority and like, uh, uh, you know, anti fraud and all that kind of stuff. And it combines the best of web three. Big cloud is like way more web three probably needs a little bit more web too. Like this is the, the, the whole thing with every single innovation. You need something that people are familiar with so that we fully adopt. That's why when the elevator started, you, you know, before the elevator, the automatic elevator started, you actually had a guy in the elevator, you know, pressing the button so that you would go up. And when the automatic elevator started, you didn't need the guy anymore, right? That, that the job is completely eliminated. But they literally still stuffed people in there just to, so few people would, you know, be comfortable with, uh, uh, you know, this elevator going up and down just automatically. Like that, that was a game changer. But they still needed a human. I still see this with autonomous cars today. Even with autonomous cars, like you can look at it in some cities, they have these autonomous shuttles. They still stick a human in that autonomous shuttle just so that people feel comfortable with it. And the same thing will happen with Web3. We will still want Web2 elements that, uh, that signals trust so that we can just dive in fully. BitClout, I think, is exciting because it allows you to um, you know, finally monetize or, or, or finally put money into a creator but I'm still a bit wary of how it's laid out. Um, I don't know who's behind it too. That, that's a big point. You, if you don't know who's behind it, then um, there's a trust. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a problem with trust there. One of the things we haven't really dove into is actual you know, cryptocurrencies from like a financial sense. And one thing I'm curious about is, you know, you give keynote speeches to all sorts of industries for those that you're talking to, maybe like it's the banking sector, for example, like what is the message? Do you, do you broach the subject of cryptocurrencies and how they, they need to be ready for that wave of things coming or, or how do you see cryptocurrencies from the financial sense as impacting us going forward? Well, so, so by the way, every single bank, uh, obviously we're in Canada, uh, your audience is all over the world, but we're in Canada, every single major bank has been experimenting with blockchain for years, like for five years and more. Every single one of them, they see it. Even the Bank of Canada, who I ha have a deep relationship with, I've done projects with, they have their own uh, Ethereum-based projects, blockchain-based projects. Um, they all see it. They're very smart. They have hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people within their organization thinking about uh, you know the trends and experimenting on things. Um, so I, I don't need to convince them about what the future of blockchain. Um, I, I think for them, they, they don't, they, they need to be paying attention to it. Um, but, uh, for most, for most folks, it's still, you know, it's, it still seems far off. However, I think the tide has turned this year, guys. I think with Bitcoin accelerating the way that it has, the fact that more and more major institutions are accepting it. You know, you saw Coinbase this week, IPO. Um, 
the 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 tidal wave is coming and i think with the organizations that don't get it that are that are slow to the punch i think they'll lose um the the the, the problem with the banks and the financial services is that they know the they, they they were they were on blockchain before any of us were on blockchain they were there i know it they, that that's where all the first experiments that we were doing at deloitte were with with financial services they knew it they saw it however the ability to change your business model, the ability to change what you do every single day, that's a big shift. It's like you, you need to change your entire business to make this work. I mean, the best way of going about it is to experiment on the side and try, uh, but it takes a big shift. Listen, like, uh, you know, Blockbuster knew about streaming, but they, you, know, you know, to pull the trigger and say, we're going full streaming, you know, and obviously they tried to buy Netflix, whatever, famous story, right? They, it, it's difficult to change your business model. Kodak, same thing. They invented digital photography. Understanding the trends is one thing. Changing your business model is a, it takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of balls to do, and most organizations can't do that. Sean, there's been so much value in this episode. You've just done such a great job explaining all of these points. We like to end every episode of Show Me the Crypto with a three-question segment called You Had Me at Crypto. John, you're probably familiar with this. Yes. <laughs> you listen to some episodes. Question one. I'm, oh, sorry. I, yeah. I'm excited. The, the, this is the stuff that you got at TikTok. Like, uh, these are the questions that you got to, you know, I should, I should start dancing just so that it, it gets, it gets, uh, it goes viral. Who's your favorite person to follow in the crypto space? Um, my favorite person to follow in the crypto space um, is recently. It's probably uh, Pomp, Anthony Pompliano, who you're going to get on your podcast. Yeah, we are. Like, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Right after this. Um, the reason why I'm so excited about him uh, lately is because he's just like leaned in. Like he's so leaned in that he's like fighting everybody on Twitter around it. And, um, he, you know, he has... Um, yeah, he's leaned in. He's in. He he he's so bullish on it that he's like willing to fight everybody about it. I love it. By the way, the the, the he's not that active. I mean, he's active on Twitter, but my favorite person to follow in the Bitcoin, blockchain, NFT space is Metacoven, the guy who actually bought Beeple's sixty-nine million dollar art. Um, I, I I I've been consuming so much of his content over the last number of weeks. Uh, just understanding his thesis around it to me that's the best follow is metacoven because he's so deep into it he obviously has an nft um you know uh his thing called metaverse so so that that's the guy to follow because he's the practitioner i caught a clubhouse conversation where he was there shortly after purchasing the 69 i was there too with people. you i think yeah yeah that was just fascinating hearing his perspective of why he did and kind of what he's planning on creating in the virtual space, like these virtual art galleries where, yeah, it's just such a cool. Yeah. We, we didn't even get into the metaverse, um, in this, in this conversation. That's like, that's like part two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's follow right. Up. All right. Question two, what will the price of Bitcoin be 10 years from now? The, the, the price of Bitcoin 10 years from now, um, you know, you know, at, at some point it has to stabilize. There's only 21 million. Um, and it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely going to get to a hundred thousand by the end of this year. I think, um, I mean, this is going to age so poorly. I think it, it, I, I don't know. I think it, I think it goes to, I think it goes to 250. How about that? I think at some point it's going to crash and then it's going to go back up like multiple times. In April 2031, we're going to find you and let you yeah, know yeah, how close you so were. Well. <laughs> it's going to be on, on freezing cold takes. Yeah. The funny thing is, I'll bet you every for every person we've asked, they'll all age terribly. We're all going <laughs> to yes. get it wrong. I actually, I'm 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 more I'm more interested in ether. Like like I was I was early in ether, uh, and I I sort of went hard on ETH because. Um, because of the block because of the ethereum blockchain so back in like 2017 like that's when i that, that that's when i like put in money into ethereum and i told all my friends i'm like ethereum because of the because of the the, the underlying technology and you're seeing it obviously like 
you know, it has problems and, you know, we need to get to the next version of it. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on Ether. Speaking of different coins, what's the most underrated coin or project in crypto? Well, should I say that Dogecoin is go to the moon? Because then this will get this will get a ton of likes and comments. Um, no, well, well, listen, I think um, what, you know, I, I, I'm an NBA top shot homer. And I think what they've done with Flow is unbelievable because you can start to build consumer sort of based networks on top of it. You couldn't really do that with Ethereum because Ethereum was just, it's not scalable. It's not built for that. So I think Flow is probably the most interesting ones uh, because you can build so many things on top of it. And I'm just excited to see what people, what ideas. I mean, obviously, Top Shot has their own ideas, but I, 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 I'm bullish on that one. And um, I think I think we're gonna see. Um, I, I think we're gonna probably see some that come out of nowhere that are backed by traditional individuals or traditional institutions that will really make a, a, a big wave. And we just haven't seen it yet. Love it. Sean, thank you so much. This was an awesome episode. We really appreciate you taking the time to be on this episode of Show Me the Crypto. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. It's an honor. And I can't wait to come back in 2031. Thank you for listening to Show Me the Crypto. Please make sure to subscribe as well as rate and review this podcast.